What's up, everyone? This is Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown, the number one podcast for anyone looking to have a greater human experience. This episode is sponsored by Visual Media. Are you an entrepreneur or a small business looking to take your brand to the next level? Then Visual Media is the service for you. Visual Media is a video production company who specializes in creating high-quality visual content for social media, websites, and online courses. Head over to Visual Media on Instagram and drop Resilience in their DM to get started. That's V-Z-U-A-L-M-E-D-I-A underscore to get started. This is Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown, and we're here with Ken Branson. Uh, Ken is the founder of an incomplete brand, Basement to Balcony, and I'm not even going to butcher it, so I'm going to let him tell us a little bit about what that is. That's what's up, Aaron. Listen, I appreciate the opportunity uh, to just have this conversation. I'm grateful for your platform and your vision. Uh, and just to be a little flower on the wall, you feel me, as to what you got going on. So definitely uh, big ups to you for creating these spaces for us, though. Um, but basically, the balcony is literally my life story. It's an incomplete brand, you know what I mean, as Aaron said, but it's literally my life story. I started, I started my business from the basement of the church I was attending in 2007. Um, and I also lived in the basement of my parents' house, right? Uh, as me and my brother got older, uh, my parents built out the basement, turned it into like a, like almost like apartments, right? We had our own separate rooms downstairs. Uh, so literally, uh, it just came to me one day. Matter of fact, no, it came to me through a coach that I hired one time to help me do some marketing and branding and, um, you know, I mean, just get some things in order. Uh, basement to balcony and also is also a service that I offer my clients um and, you know what I mean under the umbrella of mastermind productions it's a, it's a service that I offer my clients to help them establish uh, rapport or uh with their audiences from the basement to the balcony so I literally do what I do for them the same way I was raised and also the same way I started my business but I do it for them in the form of video storytelling right so um, you'll see a whole lot of basement the balcony on the brand of course that's my Instagram name and TikTok name and all the other good jazz but it is a life story and it's also a service that I offer my clients as well perfect okay a life story and a service it's not too many people that can turn their life 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 stories into a service so I mean, shout outs to you for being able to do that. That is yeah. that is brilliant. Whoever, how wherever that came from, genius. That's Appreciate good. It. Good, good. Um, okay, so tell us a little bit about your your humble, humble beginnings. Yeah, so uh definitely grew up in uh, a middle class black family. Um I was adopted by my stepdad. Um, you know, that was one of the best things that could have ever happened to me. Um, you know what I mean? Since sliced bread, as we like to say. Uh, so growing up, me and my brother, we had everything we ever needed in life. I don't have a poverty story whatsoever. Um, but when I got out of high school, I joined the Marine Corps, um, because college just wasn't sitting well for me. Academic probation. I was away from home for the first time. So I just started wilding out. Uh, I saw a recruiter in the 
grocery store, real sharp Marine. I was like, yo, I want to be like that when I grow up. You know what I mean? So uh, needless to say, I joined the Marine Corps, came out of the Marine Corps, and I got a job servicing ATMs. Right, Aaron? And this is where, you know what I mean, the 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 the, the, the climax really of the story. Not even the climax, it's where it took a turn. Okay. So um, after I got out of the Marine Corps, got a job servicing ATMs, I was only like 19, 20 years old. I started taking money from the ATMs like it was free money. You know what I mean? Like, I was can't nobody miss, miss this little pinch that I'm about to take, right? Uh, so what's crazy is that that pinch ended up being team felonies in three different counties. Like it, 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 and those pinches ended up, you know, what I mean, costing me prison time, and that's where it all started. Ken, all right, so, <laughs> all right, <laughs> so we got, we have. I'm glad I do this organically because I would go completely off script if I didn't. Yeah. All right, so. You graduated high school, went to college for a little while. One year. One year. Started wilding. Wilding. Wilding out. Okay. And then you see a Marine sharp, sharp as a tack, like they are. What it be like that? You join the Marines, you get out of the Marines, and then you go to service ATMs. Um, and then not only do you service the ATMs, but you service the ATMs with the money. <laughs> you service your pockets with the money from the ATMs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then you get caught. Yeah. And then you said three felonies? Thirteen. Thirteen felonies in three different counties. Yeah. That's uh that's okay. All right. Yeah. Okay, so say all right. So I just needed to I needed to wrap my mind around with that, what that looked like. Okay. You served jail time, obviously. Yep. How long? So uh, my 13 felonies ended up getting reduced to uh, three class or four class H felonies, and it was holding six to eight months apiece, right? Uh, so I was blessed right there as well, right? Uh, so then um, when they activated my sentence, uh, I was supposed to go serve 24 to 32 months. Guess what? By the grace of God, they ran all them jokers again, or all them jokers together again, and only had to do one six to eight month sentence in prison. Just one. Yep. Ken, how much money did you take? So they said it was around $40,000. $40,000. What did you do with that money? Balling out of control. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dang. Yeah. 19, I like, I, I don't, you know, if I, I need to do the math so I can stop saying 19 or 20 years old, but it was somewhere around that age range. I was very immature with money. Uh, it was the thrill of being able to do literally what I, whatever I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, I bought motorcycles, cash money, um, clothes. Of course, I was giving money away. I could take people out to eat. So, you know, it was a group of us going out to eat, you know, random time. It just, it just, it fed my, uh, it, you know, it fed my inner child. 
right? I got picked on a lot when I was in middle school, uh, not so much high school, but so I was always, I always had a, a need to be significant. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? So being able to have that type of moment, um, it, it afforded me the opportunity to, to, to feel significance, although, although that was a, a false sense of significance but that's what it was doing for me at the time you know i would give help people pay bills i would you know i remember filling people's refrigerator going to walmart spending two or three hundred dollars in groceries i remember paying my my next tail bill up for the whole year type deal right because i had the money to do so um you know what i mean so there was it was giving me a false sense of, of significance um and i actually talk about that a, a lot of that kind of stuff today false sense of significance that um just those words right there. How, first of all, shout out to you for using the language, false sense of significance, because significance is a big word. And we don't ever, well, very rarely have I heard the word significant be used in like um like a negative context. Mm. So that right there, my friend, is Chef's Kiss. Definitely <laughs> powerful um language that I know lands every time you deliver it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. False sense of significance. Forty thousand dollars balling out of control. From the ATMs. I I'm still in shock. I knew you had a story. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. So this is a pleasant surprise. Wow. Unfortunate surprise. Um, but wow, like amazing. Okay, so so what do you do with your story now? Yeah, so um I use my story as leverage uh number one to help others not make the same mistake um i use my story as leverage to bring to attract clients mm -hmm. you'll be surprised how many people do business with me and this is one thing that i say all the time people buy people they don't buy products and services right i got a lot of people who rock with me because of my story not because i'm the dopest filmmaker or photographer uh, in north carolina or the east coast like they rock with my story they like the story of resilience they like a good underdog story right uh so i use my story to attract clients also, the third way I use my story is to, uh, as a model for clients, for my clients to attract their clients. Okay. Right? A lot of people like, you know, the, the buzzword of authenticity is flow around, right? Uh, and a lot of people really, really can't grasp the, the concept of authenticity, right? So I use my story as a model as to how they should tell their story to attract their clients. Uh, so it's three ways right there that I use Nori, and I think that probably covers it all. Got you, got you. I just the, uh, and you've been you've been in this in this lane doing this work for how long? Yeah, so uh, I was convicted in two thousand four. Uh, well, let me just back that up. So I've been in business for fifteen years since 2007 okay but 
I was always just head down, hand to the plow. It was not all about, at that time, it was not, I didn't want nobody to know, right? So, you know, my story was kept on a hush. Matter of fact, uh, I met with a lady uh, by the name of uh, 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 Pope, Dr. Pope. I can't think of her name, um, but she's actually um, a forensic accountant and she's a professor at, um, De I think, DeVry. Okay. I might be getting it jacked up, but nevertheless, um, she did a seminar at A&T. She was presenting to, to the accounting department at A&T, and I was filming her, and she was talking about all the white-collar crimes that has been exposed through forensic accounting. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the, the, the crimes that she talked about was Rita Crumwell, who was a city comptroller in a, in a uh, small town called Dixon in, in the state of Illinois, right? So Rita ended up embezzling or still in like, you know, 50 some million dollars over the period of like 20 years. And it really caused the, the entire um, economy of Dixon, Illinois to really tank. Like they are really poor uh, because of like what she did. Right. After the, after all of that, she did all that presenting. We started talking about my story and she was like the same the same response that you gave me. Like what you did? What? I can't believe it. So she actually told me, Ken. I don't think you I don't think you should go public with this story. I think you should just keep it where you are. Like, cause I'm doing business with Google, ARP, Cisco, like a lot of household names. And she was like, I don't want you to rep mess up your rep reputation. But I went against the grain a little bit. You know what I mean? And I was like, listen, uh, I feel like it's time to tell this story and get it out to the masses because I it's only it's gonna do one of two things. It's either gonna push everybody away from me or it's gonna attract a whole lot of people. And you know what? It started to attract a whole lot of people. Um I don't know if I answered your question or not. I just got off on a soapbox, but did I answer it? No, you did. You okay. did. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. The question was just like how long you've been doing this, and you said since two thousand seven. Okay. Yeah, I've been in business since oh seven, but I didn't start telling my story uh, until much, much later. Um, until I started do actually doing storytelling workshops, and I think that did not come. Workshops probably didn't happen until right around COVID. So really probably about three or four years gotcha. I have really been on front street with my story. Gotcha. Okay. So it's been, un it was under wraps. That's definitely yes. something. I think I don't, hmm, as a human being, right? I don't think there's anyone in this world that doesn't have a story or a situation that they've lived through that they do not like to talk about. Like, right. like, and what I've learned is, I mean, I have one too, right? What I've learned is that when you lean into that story, you you find other people who have lived that experience or can relate to that experience. And that grows your, your network, like, and your net worth tremendously. Oh. Tremendously. Like, all right, so, so... So wild that you had to experience that, um, but the gifts that you've been able to gain and how you've turned that into a purpose, you know, you didn't, like you did it, you you got caught, whatever, but you turned that into a, a lesson, a purpose, a story that you can share over and over and over again and to, to a lot of different people and it lands. All right, let's talk about video because 
I think that's how I just I've I've I came across you is like you were you are a are you are a digital creator? Yes. Okay. Um, Say more. So um the all I knew when I got out of prison was that I had <clears throat> I had over four hundred dollars a month to pay in child support and over six hundred dollars a month to pay in restitution. Mm. I had to, you know, pay the money back that I stole, right? So I'm I'm a thousand dollars uh, you know what I mean, off the rip that I gotta pay every month just to stay out of prison. Mm. So with that being said, I didn't know nothing about no titles. I didn't know anything about no, you know, uh, influencer and all this other jazz. All I knew was I needed to be able to give a service to somebody so that they can give me money in return. Mm -hmm. So when, when I started using terms like digital creator, uh, digital storyteller, videographer, uh, all of these terms and titles and stuff, they, they just came along. I'm like, wait a minute, I do that. So now I'm a videographer. Wait a minute, I do that. So now I'm a, a video storyteller. Wait a minute, I do that. Now I'm a storyteller. Wait a minute, you, you a what? Master? Oh, Ken Branson, master visual storyteller. Right? Like, so I just started to adopt all these things. Digital creator is another one. Um, as time had progressed, because I didn't know. So mm -hmm. I'm just like, if I see somebody on a platform, somebody who done did 10, 20 years in prison and they come out, they like, oh, this is what I do. This I started to use the language. So now digital creator is one of the many hats that I wear uh, or many, you know, names on the hat that I wear, um, you know, that, that has come to fruition over time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, is that, is that something you love to do? Is that, is that um, your passion? Yeah, yeah. So is that my passion? That's a great question. So um, when I started some therapy several, several years ago, um, I had to talk about the first time I actually started stealing money. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was actually in the seventh grade. Uh, my granddaddy, he was an entrepreneur before he died. And uh, he had this big, thick green ashtray that was, you know, in his in his room that was full of nothing but silver coins. Right, Aaron? Like so uh, at the time I had this girlfriend who went back home uh, to Detroit for the summertime. So I had to go in uh, in my granddaddy's uh, room and get some quarters out of the ashtray. But I had to do it without getting caught. Right. And. I had to go get some quarters to go to the payphone to call my girlfriend. All right, so I could spend some time with her over the phone because it wasn't no such thing as long distance that, you know what I mean? Well, it was, but we had to pay for long distance at the time. You feel me? Uh -huh. um, so that was the first time that I realized I started stealing. And it, 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 I saw a track record from the seventh grade all the way through until I got caught taking money from the ATMs. It was a lot, a lot of stealing that was going on in between those times. And the only common denominator of it all i was never on drugs i was never supporting any type of of habit uh my mama wasn't sick like this is, this is all the stuff they asked me when i got caught uh like none of those things was a part of my life but the only common denominator was the fact that it presented a thrill okay, okay. so now going through therapy i realized that i did it because it was a thrill now I was able to do like Jeezy say, I flipped the hustle and be killing them every since. I, I'm still able to get that same thrill in storytelling. Mm. Telling somebody else's story in a compelling manner so that somebody be sitting there at the screen like, 
what this nonprofit did what like why the music just making me feel like this or why is the music making me sad or why is the music making me happy why is the music making me or why is the story making me want to open my wallet up and give all the money to this nonprofit or to go spend money with this corporation why because ken branson gets a thrill out of retelling your story people ask me all the time aaron they'd be like ken do you ever think you're still again and i'd be like I hope not. I want to be like, you know what? Man, I never steal again. But you got to realize stealing presented the thrill for me. So I never put myself in position to steal to steal again. You know what I mean? So now I'm able to take that same energy and, and, and be fulfilled from it through digital storytelling. Oh, I love it. I love that being able, because that's, um, that's, that's a gift and that's a skill right there. Taking something that you enjoy, right? And being able to flip it in a way that is, what what did Jay-Z say on God did? Bruh, first off, fire verse, firest verse that I've ever did here. Um, yeah, I hadn't heard it. I hadn't heard it in its totality yet. Four, it's like almost five minutes of just all flames. Like, <laughs> just, just fire. But basically, like he when he was talking about like, selling drugs and then turning uh what did he say what up breezy we pushing fancy like fentanyl or something like that and it's like just being able to turn that illegal that illegal shit into something legal and legit you know yes. um fire i'm so glad you've been you've been able to to find that thrill that you got from stealing Yep. And and applying it to the 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 gift of being able to storytell, being a story story, and sharing other people's stories. That's amazing. That's so fire. That is so fire. Okay, okay. What what is one of the obstacles? that obvious that that's not obvious that you face and how have you overcome it yeah that's a very good question one of the one of the obvious reasons is not obviously not being able to get a job with 13 felonies mm -hmm. um but one of the things that i did not know that would affect me is number number two getting my getting an apartment in my name and number three being able to get life insurance life insurance what let me tell you man when i like Early on, when I was, you know, freshly convicted, like, they weren't trying to hear nothing. They like, no, you're considered a high risk because you stole money from ATMs. Like, no, we do not want to insure you. <laughs> I'm dead. That's so wild. Like, but it makes sense. It makes sense. And, and the person on the outside, I would have never in a million years thought of that. But I'm like, yeah, like, he might be like a bank robber. He might, this might just be the beginning. He might try to go down in a blaze of glory. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so one of the one of the things that I really hate about the justice system is, you know, in this case, it was you know thirteen separate times that I stole money that they have on record, right? So yes, that's thirteen felonies. It was thirteen times I stole over a thousand dollars, and it was one time I stole under a thousand dollars. So it was really thirteen felonies and one misdemeanor. But when people looked at my criminal background, they didn't. Push, they didn't put it all together like okay this is one it didn't occur to them that this was one occurrence mm -hmm. you know what i mean because technically it really wasn't one occurrence uh 
because it was on different days, yeah. different times, different amounts. But at the end of the day, in my mind, it's like, yo, I, I, I just, I just did this. This was like one time, so I don't need y'all to be looking at this like I did it this year, this year, the next year, the year after that. Like, it, you know what I mean? But that's the way when people looked at my criminal background, especially uh, leasing offices and you know what I mean, employers and stuff. They like, wait a minute, no, this is thirteen. You stole thirteen different times. You got thirteen felonies. Like, we don't want nothing to do with you yeah. right uh and then the second thing well i said the leasing and i said the, uh the insurance and the leasing the, the lease thing was a, a a big deal as well because uh i i got three kids you feel what i'm saying and i already had my first two kids was out of wedlock right so it was just like i already fit the statistic mm-hmm. of you know i mean a black man having kids who got a criminal background i didn't have no formal edu- no no formal education uh, you know what i mean i'm in the criminal i'm in the you know the criminal justice system like i had all these strikes against me that was matching statistics the last thing i needed was to be laid up in somebody's crib like laid up in my baby mama crib you know what i'm saying yeah, i'm like nah, yeah, yeah. this can't be me right so the pride, the you know, the pride or whatever you want to call it, the manhood or the man in me was like, listen, we got to get my own place. Right. So I filled out application after application, getting denied, denied, denied. Till one time I just I, I just was like, listen, I got felony larceny charges on my record. Is there anything that y'all can do to help me before I had to pay this another this uh, uh, additional application fee? Mm-hmm. Again, it was like, you know what? You just got to be honest. And this was the right place. Listen. I didn't even look at the apartment before, you know, some people come in and do a tour to see if you want to stay there. It's like, nah, at this point in time, I just need a place to stay. You know what I mean? So that's what we did. I got approved, moved in, and, you know, we've been here ever since. I love it. That's awesome. Awesome. And you in, you in North Carolina, right? Yeah. Where you at? In Durham. In Durham. Okay. That's like, I think that's like three or four hours away from us. We are, I'm in Asheville. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you and you've been here in North Carolina all your life. Um, whole life. Yep. Okay. Okay. Boy, you got a story. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you have a story. Yeah. Um. Are you? Are you? You are a speaker as well. I'm. 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 I'm gonna take a stab at that. Yeah, so um, I, I linked up with Odell. Odell has actually been a client of mine since 2020, probably since around, right, right around the time that, you know, you was exposed to Odell. Um, I, I learned a lot from him. He come, he used to come to the studio and, you know, do a lot of his marketing videos right there, right? So it's another good perk of, you know, being a filmmaker or a storyteller um, and, you know, photographer back when I was doing it is I get to sit in and learn a lot while I'm still getting paid for doing the work. Uh, you know what I mean? So I would listen to Odell uh, a lot of times, you know what I mean? Just spit knowledge about what it takes to become a, a public speaker, especially in a college market. So eventually, you know, fast forward two years, go through COVID and all that other good jazz. Um, I signed on with, um, you know, his mastermind. And let me tell you, it was one of the best investments. It was the, let me, let me just say this. It was the biggest investment I've made to date. Like I've never spent that much money on anything in life. Uh, right. But to make that investment with Odell and Stan and all of the Namco fam, shout out to them. Like it was one of the best things that I could have ever done. So um, I hadn't gotten any, you know, any speaking engagements yet, but it's not because what I learned from them don't work. It's, you know, I still have my part to do as well. Um, so, yes, I do some public speaking. I speak to 
so far I've been speaking to a lot of kids uh, and I got a funny story to tell you about that if we got time um hey 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 if you're enjoying this content do not forget to rate and review wherever you're listening to this podcast be sure to rate and review it helps us reach more people in more ways now let's get back to some resilience but yeah to answer your question yeah go ahead so jump in or jump right into the funny story i'm gonna I listen i love to laugh so yeah yeah so uh, i had a speaking engagement uh probably about a month ago where i was talking to some kids it went good like you know it was well received matter of fact uh they all sent thank you letters right here oh like, that's awesome you know what i'm saying that I, I still gotta <laughs> read all of them right but uh that went good so another youth group saw me um and they you know i mean reached out like ken i ain't know you speak to kids and i'm like i ain't know i spoke to kids either the, the ladies just reached out and asked me and i'm like yeah you feel me uh so i came and speak to this to speak to these this group of teens and we got to talking about my story and what i do and my background and one of the kids was like so how much time did you do in prison again i was like you know six i did six months in prison it was like oh god man like like in, in other words like i got before now right but listen let me tell you though Aaron. listen it that, that, that kind of bruised me a little bit yo i'm like Hold on, cuz, you know what I'm saying? Like, you gonna discount my six months? Like, I know it ain't 10, 20 years, you know what I mean? But what happened was uh, that time right there allowed me to know that, like, these kids was cut from a different cloth than me. You know what I'm saying? They used to people having to go to jail and do 10 to 20, 30 years. They used to hearing that. You know what I mean? So when I'm like six months, they like, oh. But I had to go back to the drawing board and and I, I didn't get a chance to talk to them about this, but in that particular talk that I do uh, to youth, I had to go back to the drawing board and say, listen, no matter if you did uh, six months in prison or 20 years in prison, that flag, that F that's on your background, like it, it's an even playing field. Yeah, that brother can't get no job. That's like, I can't get no job. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? So that's a funny story that I got, you know, from the speaking room. I got to share that with you one day. Yo, that's so funny. Yo, kids. Yo, kids. Yeah. Kid, this generation of kids that these kids, they something else. Yeah. <laughs> they definitely something else. Okay, yeah. Definitely, though, when you think about it, um, regardless of the time you spent, the fact of the matter is you were convicted and you spent time. Yeah. So that's all, that's all that matters. All right, so you wasn't hard to start your business after going through all of that, um, all of what you've been through. No, not at all. Actually, um, it wasn't hard for me to start my business because uh, you know I didn't have any other choice. You know what I mean? As I stated earlier, I had child support to pay and I had restitution, and I knew what nobody giving me no job that was equivalent to giving me a thousand over a thousand that was going to pay me over a thousand dollars a month um you know what i mean with, without any college uh, education without any other uh you know skills that i had at the time mm-hmm. so i'm like listen i gotta do what i gotta do actually i started to uh i invested in a real estate investment course and my coach had me going to this real estate investment group in my in my hometown winston-salem so i would go every wednesday shirt and tie um, and I would hear all of these investors talking. I'm, I'm these, uh, I would hear them say stuff like, you know, I got 20 properties 
most of them in low-income neighborhoods. I got 10 properties here. I got five properties here. And the common denominator from all of those real estate investors was they could not find somebody to cut their grass. So I went from wearing a shirt and tie one week to come in there with, with, with grass-stained jeans and boots on smelling like exhaust fumes because I was cutting everybody's grass. See, making it, making, making it happen though. Like right. you saw, you saw a need and you exploited that, like in the best way possible. Exactly. You know what I mean? So I, because I didn't have a choice, I knew that I had to find a need and, and meet it. I literally had a, 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 a Mark eight, a, I think it's a Chrysler Mark eight. Uh, I can't even think of the, the brand of the, the model make of the car, but I had a fit, uh, Lincoln is a Lincoln Mark Eight. Gotcha. Right, I put a push lawnmower in the trunk. You feel me? And it was sticking out the back of the trunk with the with the gas the gas pack blower that my dad let me borrow and a weed eater, two gas cans in the trunk of my Lincoln Mark Eight. I was riding around cutting grass starting at five six in the morning. It was just because they had a need and I could feel it by any means necessary. Mm -hmm. Right. So, no, it was not hard for me to switch this entrepreneur mindset on, like, because it was always in me. Why? Because it presented a thrill. Uh -huh. There is no certainty in entrepreneurship. Like, you hear some people be like, oh, I, I live, you know, it's not good to live check to check. Well, some, most entrepreneurs, full-time entrepreneurs live invoice to invoice, mm -hmm. you know, but eventually we want to, we want to put systems and processes in place that you like to talk about as well, that will uh, allow us to, you know, uh, be absent for two weeks while our business is still earning money. Right. But that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. Um, but no, it wasn't hard for me at all. Cause I knew this is the only thing that I could do to stay out of prison. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I love the fact that just, just listening to your story, and 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 listening to the ebbs and flows and how you've been able to overcome the the, the obstacles and the situations that you put yourself in um and how you've navigated through them with with humility and and just an absolute desire to continue to live a greater human experience every single day yeah. um it's it's remarkable, to say the least, um, listening to what you've been through and the systems and strategies that you've used to navigate this, this, this crazy behind journey that you're on. <laughs> it's really, it's really mind-blowing. My listeners want to be like, can do what? <laughs> like, Yes. And did all of that and he's continuing to do just so much more in a positive mm -hmm. aspect in a positive way um what advice would you have um or would you give someone who who's maybe teetering on that line of doing something they ain't supposed to do um to fulfill whatever it is that they're trying to fulfill whether it's that um that false sense of significance or maybe like a real, real life present, a need, you know, what, what information would you give? Uh, go to therapy. Mm. Uh, uh, mental health therapy in the black community is definitely a stigma that we need to kill. We need to eradicate this joker. Right. Um, 
a lot of us think we have to go to uh, to therapy when something is wrong, like grief therapy. Yes, it exists, um, but that's not the only time that you should go to therapy. Uh, I'll give you a real life example. Um, I'll give you a real life example. Uh, my son, right? He is, you know, I'm five nine. My son is probably six six foot or six one, maybe tall as crap. Uh, and when he likes to get in the car, he likes to slide the seat up closer to the dashboard. And for the life of me, I can't like I'm like, why do why do you like to move the seat up? Like he like that. What you trying to say is some kind of diagnosis or something? Because you know, I talk about mental health therapy a lot. Uh, and I'm like, <laughs> nah. But it's it's worth taking a look at, right? It's worth looking deeper into because if not, whatever this thing is that makes you want to feel to feel, to feel larger than life, it only grows. Mm -hmm. Like, so I want to, my goal is to make sure that my kids are self-aware. Like, why do you do the things that you do? Why do you say the things that you say so that uh, you don't keep passing them on for generations and generations to come? Find out why you feel the way you feel. Find out why certain things trigger you. So that you can nip it in the bud right now instead of like stealing money from ATMs because you want to fulfill a thrill. Now, I can't say that um, I wouldn't have found another way because, you know, we'll never know what, what, what would have led me to a different place in life or here or whatever. Um, but like uh, if I would not have stole money, um, I can't tell you where I would really be. At. Yeah. But I, I will tell you because of mental health therapy. It has taken my business to a whole new level. Listen, when I was able to realize that I was trying, I was going after a thrill. And then I was able to see here when I'm editing, I'm like, why am I getting into this? Like, why do I pick music that's so epic? And da -da 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 -da? why do I pick music to make you do this? Or why do I manipulate the story to make you like all because it's feeding that inner thrill. It's feeding whatever Ken Branson needs to survive and thrive. Mm -hmm. But without mental health, therapy i would not know that and i would not i would not be out here thriving like i am today so that would be my key right there if you doing some things in life that you listen i'm gonna get on a little so i don't want to get on the soapbox but relationships i put a post out the other day about relationships if you find yourself in a relationship with a certain kind of person every single time you need to stop and ask yourself why mm -hmm. it's a reason and it ain't always everybody's fault. Sometimes we got to look in the mirror. Listen, I ain't going to get on that soapbox because we ain't here to talk about that, but mental health therapy. It sounds like we're going to need a part two. That's what it sounds like. You know what I'm saying? It sounds like we're going to need a part two. Um, yeah, no, sometimes, you know, you know, and I, I've been saying this forever. We love to point out other people's flaws and highlight their insecurities. Um, but when, when you got to hold that mirror up, when when somebody holds that mirror up, you know, you be trying to do everything you can not to look in that mirror. You be like, uh-uh, Bloody Mary in the mirror. Uh-uh, somebody else in the mirror. <laughs> like, you do not, yep. you do not want to. And sometimes, sometimes, the most important thing that you can do is to look in that mirror mm. and and really, really observe what it is that you you are seeing. 
Yeah. And what and what masks you're wearing. Yeah. Depending on what situation you're in. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, we're gonna have to do a part two because I know we could talk about that for a minute. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Ken, how can we support you? And where can we find you and follow you on social media? That's good. How can you support? How can everybody support? Uh, one of the things that I teach my clients is that I, I don't use social media to advertise to my client, right? I use social media to reach the people who are connected to me and they in turn tell people about me or companies about me or hire me because they are in positions of power or they know somebody in positions of power at their job and they actually give me the job or hire me to do the work, right? So um, that was just a little gem right there. A lot of people get so wrapped up in. Um, but yes, I'm on social media uh, and I tell stories on Basement to Balcony, uh, Instagram. I tell stories on TikTok. Basement to Balcony as well. I'm Ken Branson on Facebook. I'm on Ken Branson on LinkedIn. Um, I have a website, basementtobalcony.com. Uh, also have a website, mastermind-productions with an S.com as well. Um, like you can find me in all the places, right? Um, but at the end of the day, I put out a lot of content as a digital creator so that I could stay at the top of the mind of my audience, right? Toma, T-O-M-A, top of mind awareness, so that people don't necessarily remember exactly what I talked about. I talk about on my posts or my videos, but they just remember the story or how I make them feel. Um, so, you know, when the time comes around that people need my services, they automatically remember me, right? See, it's a method to the madness. Yeah. It's a method to the madness, okay. Um, do you have anything that you want to share with the listeners? Any um, advice or tips of, of just life experience? Uh, we talked about mental health, which is mental health therapy, which is, is my I'm a big component, an advocate of mental health therapy. I am a product of mental health therapy. And without it, I don't believe I'll be on this journey of self-awareness. The reason I call it a journey is because it doesn't stop. Right. I just recently talked to uh, Ruby Wesley. Shout out to her, who is now my new financial advisor. Yes. After 15 years of business, of entrepreneurship and making a whole lot of money, I now have a financial advisor. What is this financial advisor doing? She's putting up the mirror and allowing me to look at what I do with my money. Like so self-awareness doesn't stop. It's so many different areas, especially us as parents. We have to become more self-aware so that we won't pass generational curses down to our kids. Why do we beat our kids? Like, ask yourself, why? Why am I? I remember one day I asked myself, why am I whooping my kids? It's because I felt embarrassed as to what they did to me or, you know, what they did in school. Not because I didn't beat them because they punched somebody in the face. Like, I beat them because you are embarrassing me as a parent. Like I got to go up here and face these people and I'm embarrassed. So now I'm about to beat your butt because I'm embarrassed. Right. Mm -hmm. But once I realized self-awareness that I was beating them because I was embarrassed, the whooping stopped. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's that type of thing right there where self-awareness will, uh, will help us understand why we doing what we doing. Um, and it could possibly have us to change some things. So generations to come won't be jacked up because of what we did. Yeah. Listen, I've been, I always say, like, I think our parents did the best that they could with the information 
that they had at the time. Yeah. Um, of course, there's room for speculation and everyone is entitled to their own opinions because everybody sure. doesn't agree with that. Um, right. And this and this and that's and that's fine. My personal opinion, they our parents did what they could with what they had. Um, think about their parents. Like you think we we like I know we got it not bad because I did not grow up in a in a bad home whatsoever. But but to think about like the things that I've been through, like to think about my parents and the stuff that they had to go through and then their parents, like it's a it's all a learning process. And we out here breaking generational curses and and leaving leaving wealth and 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 prosperity for our for our future generations. That's what we are yeah. doing. Um, that's yes. what, that's what I'm trying to set up. You know that legacy of yes, Erin may have come from this and or or she's may may have experienced that, but all of that's her taught her how to do this and look what she's done with it. And and Ken, that's what you've done. That's that's exactly what you've done. It's amazing. We got you muted for a second. Hold on. Hold on, y'all. It connected to my Bluetooth. I'm sorry. I had to edit this one. You good. You good. This is the perfect this is the perfect spot. Well, I don't even know where I to stop. I, I tried to mute it because they blowing the, the yard out there. This is organic, authentic. Um, I don't do Ken. I don't do hardly any editing. Like <laughs> what we get is what we get, and it's all fire. Um, no doubt. I got one question. One, 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 one final last question for you. All right. All right. Okay, Ken. What does resilience mean to you? Man, this is why the book needs to be written right now. Like I got the cover design started right and ain't finished it. Five links to resilience, how to bounce back from any mistake you've made in life. Right? Why? Okay, pause, pause on all of that. What are you doing? Yeah. Do you know who Gio Gio is? Gio Doris. Uh uh. Um. Before we get when we get, I'm gonna link you with Gio. Gio has a uh, first book done. It's a program. Um. I actually interviewed him a uh, few months ago. Yeah. He is the he is the book guy that everyone wow. goes to. Um, so before we end all of this, obviously I stop recording. Um, but I'm going to link you with Gio's info so you right. can get that book done because how awesome would it have been to have that book like, boom, this is what, let's go, let's think ahead. Are we going, yeah, nah, we're going, I got you. We're going to make this happen. We're going to make this happen. Yeah. But yeah. what does resilience mean to you? Uh, again, um, one of the things my pastor used to say, you know, the pastor I was under when I started my business, um, you know, it's a, really a quote that I took from him. I don't know where he got it from, but he had biblical reference from, you know, through it all. Um, but what he talked about is how your thoughts and your feelings, you know, become your words. 
Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits and your habits become your lifestyle. Right. So what I had to do was I had to put those I had to put that emotion over the last 15 years. And it's still in motion. It's continually in motion. Uh, right. To help me to live a different lifestyle every single time. So resilience is how to bounce back from any mistake or anything that you've done or anything that even happened to you in your lifetime. That's exactly what resilience looks like to me. That's that bounce back. That's yep. that resilience is that bounce back. I always said one of my favorite um, things is resilience is mas mastering the fall. Uh, mastering the fall like a like a stunt person when they master yeah. how to fall so it, it looks graceful. It looks like it's supposed to look. Yeah. Mastering that fall. So so first off, you learn from your mistakes and you don't fall like that. Um, right. And yeah, master and fall. First off, that is that is the embodiment of resilience in action. Yeah, literally, like yeah, yeah. and I and I love being able to bring it full circle back to the title, back to the whole reason um, that I that I hold this space for us to share these stories and systems and strategies of resilience and action that ultimately allow us to to have a greater human experience. And and Ken, you've been doing that since the day you got out of off your bid. You've been you've been doing that. Um, yeah. So I just want to take this moment, like, to congratulate you and to highlight you and, and what you've done Thank you. and what you've been able to do, and the and the impact that you're leaving behind. You you're doing phenomenal work. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, thank you so much for spending some time, you know, with us here today. And we definitely going to get you on this part two. I love it. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate and review. And remember, resilience in action will always lead to a greater human experience.